you can grab a seat. Great to be here back in Essex. I hear Essex is a loud crowd, is that right? Come on at the back, our Essex responders, give me a wave. There you go, there you go. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Hey, well, good morning. If you haven't met me before, my name is Mark, as Barry said, and uh, part of Equippers Church, and uh, privileged to be here in Essex this morning. Uh, Barry always complains about the traffic driving from Colchester to London, and I don't know what he's talking about because it was absolutely crystal clear this morning. Maybe, maybe, maybe because it was Sunday morning. I'm just kidding. He's kidding. But it's... Uh, <laughs> But uh, if you're visiting here this morning, good morning, welcome. You're going to love being here. You're going to love there's a great church. You've got great leaders, and uh, God's doing great things. Amen. 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 Well, if you've got a Bible this morning, you can go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. I was just sharing with Barry, if you wanted to watch something um, on uh, BBC News, which is really worth watching. Um, I was watching uh, the news, I don't know, maybe Thursday, Friday this week. And it was an older guy. He would have been probably well into his 90s, maybe older, maybe 100, I'm not sure. But he was part of uh, D-Day. So he was one of the soldiers who fought on D-Day. And there he was. He was on BBC News. And they were interviewing him because he had been fundraising to build a memorial in Normandy for all the fallen uh, British soldiers. And I think something like 22,500 British soldiers died on D-Day. And he was believing to raise one pound for everyone who died. And uh, so therefore he could raise 22,500 pounds. You've got to remember this guy's in his probably late 90s. And um, there he is on the high street and he's collecting money. And so they brought him into the BBC studios and they're interviewing him. And uh, then they show him a video of this absolutely amazing memorial that they were building, I think, near the beach uh, in Normandy. And uh, this, you know, this older guy, it was incredibly moving. He just, he really started to cry. And uh, they said, you know, you're a hero. And he said, no, I'm not a hero. I'm lucky. But all the fallen ones were heroes. Um, but then what I liked about it, and I'm, I'm hoping when I'm in my 90s, I'll be the same, because uh, then he just started to say whatever he wanted to say. <laughs> And uh, you could tell the interviewers were getting nervous because they couldn't control him at this point. And actually, do you know what he did? He started to go on and say, you know, one of the, the, the issues that we have in the UK, he just said, is people don't believe in God anymore. And he said, I believe that Jesus is coming again. <laughs> this is on BBC News, broadcast to millions of people. He said, I believe Jesus is coming again and uh, he's coming back. And, and, and uh, he just, you know, this 90-something-year-old, maybe 100, I don't know, your old man just started to preach on BBC News this week. And I thought, you go for it, man. You go for it. <laughs> All right, let's read together. Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time the nets were so full that the fish began to, uh, I beg your pardon, uh, so full of fish that they began to tear. 
A shout for help brought their partners to the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and were on the verge of sinking. And when Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others who were with him. Let me just go to one more uh, verse for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. You might have had this read uh, on your wedding day. I know I didn't ask service. It says, two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The title of my message this morning is The Power of Partnership. The Power of Partnership. So we did a little series uh, back in Surrey, and we were talking about making an impact. How many of you want to make an impact upon this earth? That's only like four of you. I'm like, come on, how many of you want to make an impact? There we go. Come on, by the time we leave this earth and we meet Jesus face to face, I want to know that I've made an impact upon the earth. I don't want to just live my life, go through the motions, have a good job, build a nice house, have a good pension, and then one day die. I actually want to have an amazing impact upon the earth. I think you do too. In fact, I actually think it's hardwired into our DNA that we actually do something while we're here on the face of the earth. And one of the ways that I think we, have a, we make an impact or the greatest way we can make an impact is not in isolation, but it is in the power of being in partnership with other people. This morning, you need the people sat around you. Uh, None of us can achieve everything that God has for us by ourselves. If we think we can, we are deluded. (laughs) We just can't. What we can do together is so much more powerful. So uh, what I wanted to do just for a moment, um, we'll just get a little interactive. I'm going to shout out the names of some people who are in partnership, and you can shout out what they did. Is that okay? little quiz this morning. I'm going to shout out the names of some partnerships. And you're going you're gonna to say who they were or what they did. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. The first one is just the Wright brothers. There you go. How many of you have been on a plane recently, went on a plane on holiday? Well, you can be appreciative of the Wright brothers. It was their partnership that first invented the ability to fly. So that's not a bad one. How about this one? John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Come on, how many of you still listen to the Beatles? <laughs> And uh, some of you are like, no. But anyway, uh, the Beatles wrote some of the greatest music perhaps ever written. It was a, a powerful partnership. wasn't one, wasn't the other. It was together. Okay, how about this one? Larry Page and Sergey Brin. Google. Very good. Come on, how many have you, have you have used Google in the last 24 hours? That's probably just about every single one of us, right? Aren't you glad for that partnership? That partnership, it, it's made an impact upon your life. A um, couple more. Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak. Apple. Come on, where are all the Apple users this morning? Come on, because of their partnership, 
had an impact upon your life, is having an impact today. I'm using an Apple device right now. Uh, this is my favorite one, though. This one's a little uh, less well-known, but it's my favorite partnership. Uh, it's the partnership of Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield. Ben and Jerry's! Ben and Jerry's ice cream. That is one of the greatest partnerships I think the world has ever seen. Ben and Jerry's has seen me celebrate some good times and it's helped me get through some tough times. Come on, can I get an amen? Uh, and, and so there are some amazing partnerships that uh, have had an impact upon our lives, not to mention Tom and Jerry, Batman and Robin. Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. Great, great partnerships. Great partnerships. <laughs> the, Bible, the Bible, of course, is full of great partnerships too. And, and actually what happens is when you take God and you add God to a partnership, it moves from just being a great partnership to something that is full of power, something that really changes the world. So uh, you, you can shout out the answer to this if you know the second person. Great partnerships. How about Paul and... Silas, Paul and Timothy, number of different people, just powerful partnerships. How about this one, David and no Goliath? No, 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 David. No, you misunderstand the concept. They they were in opposition. He killed. He killed him. I mean, I know there are certain partners in our lives we want to kill, but he killed. No, no, no. David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan. Moses and. Aaron, very good. If there was no Aaron, there would have been no mouthpiece to what Moses was able to do. Uh, how about this one? Elijah and Elisha. <laughs> they didn't kill each other. They worked together. Esther and Mordecai. If it wasn't for Mordecai and Esther's life, actually, she probably never would have done what she was able to do. How about this one? Ruth and Naomi. Great partnership. And, uh, you know, again, one of my favorite partnerships, this, this partnership is, is the partnership every one of us uh, should be absolutely grateful for, because if it wasn't for this partnership, you would not be here, the partnership of Adam and Eve, amen. Great, it wasn't for that, it wasn't for that partnership, none of us would be here. You know, even God himself is in partnership. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it is the Trinity, working together and uh, you know it's interesting to me when Jesus was ready to start his public ministry he got baptized in water Holy Spirit came down he was thrust out into the wilderness but when he returned after 40 days what did he do he started to walk from village to village and he started to select people to be in partnership he said I'll take you I'll take you I'll take you and he literally started to choose people that he would walk with for the next three years because he understood that the impact of his ministry needed to go on well beyond when he ascended back to heaven. Listen, I've got news for you this morning. If you want to make an impact, you've got to understand you need partners. You need partners. We need partners individually, but you know, even as churches, we need partnerships. And they cause us to go higher and, and do more than we could ever do in our own right. You know, even movie companies understand this principle. I don't know the last time you went to the cinema, but uh, next time you go, just you, you watch. It'll probably say something like the name of the movie 
and it'll say the name of the movie company. Maybe it'll be Paramount uh, Movies or uh, 20th Century Fox, whoever it might be. But then you watch, uh, quite often it'll then say in partnership with or in association with. And nowadays you'll find that sometimes it's not just one or two. It's sometimes three or even four different companies coming together to make a film. Why? They understand something. They understand this, that actually we can do so much more together than we can do by ourselves. I'll say that again. We can do so much more together than we can do by ourselves. So much more. And so uh, I want to say this morning that in every single one of us, there is dormant potential that will not be unleashed unless you come into partnership with someone who can actually help release it. Amen. That's actually why this church became Equippers Church when it once was Kesed Church. Because there was a recognition in order for us to become all that God has for us to become, this potential that is dormant waiting to be released And it's in partnership together that we do so much more. Amen. Amen. All right, if you're writing notes, let me give you three thoughts about partnership this morning. Number one, number one, partnerships challenge our thinking. Partnerships challenge our thinking. Peter is a fisherman. Jesus is a carpenter. Peter has been fishing all night. He has caught no fish. He is probably tired. He is probably frustrated. He is probably ready for bed. And Jesus comes along and Jesus tells him to do something that in the natural makes no sense to do. By the way, I want you to notice something that it was actually Peter who extended the kind of the arm of friendship to Jesus before Jesus gave Peter any instruction. Jesus said, can I use your boat? And Peter said, absolutely. And so Peter first gave Jesus what he had before Jesus came along and said, okay, I'm now going to help you, Peter. But here he is, he's been fishing all night, and this carpenter turns up. How annoying would that be? Someone who knows nothing about fishing turns up and says, you, you know, in a way, you're doing it all wrong. I've got, a, I've got a suggestion that you do it in a very different way altogether. I don't know about you, that would drive me a little bit crazy. That would make me a little bit irritated. Jesus, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this a while. Um, I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually quite qualified at this. And it's almost like Jesus says, well, it doesn't really matter whether you're qualified or not. I want to challenge you to think in a way that you have never thought before. The truth is, if we're going to have an impact and if we're going to do more than we can do or what we've done in the past, there are things and there are ways in which we think that just simply need to be challenged. Can I just speak nicely to you this morning, but strongly, you don't know it all. You don't know it all. (laughs) None of us know it all. In fact, every one of us needs someone to draw alongside of us and every now and again, just help us to think differently than we're thinking right now. You know, I've got got uh, four kids at home. And uh, three years ago, we decided our home wasn't busy enough, so we bought a dog. And uh, we didn't get a little dog, we got a big dog. And it's a cross between a poodle and a retriever. It's called a golden doodle. And uh, 
someone thought outside of the box whenever they uh, decided to breed those dogs. But a fantastic dog. And, um, and so one of the things I, I really enjoy doing, I enjoy taking her for a walk. And that's really when I do my praying. And that's really good because it makes me get out and pray, even when it's cold and wet. And uh, even when it's dark, it's like, no, take the dog out. And, and that's when I do my praying. And I have this prayer that I pray nearly, nearly every single day. M- maybe not every day, but pretty close to most days. And, and, and here's what I pray. I, I, I pray this. I say, God, show me what I don't know. God, teach me what I don't know. Because I am very, very aware that this little brain up here is not the brightest or the smartest brain the world has ever seen. And my thinking has got some significant limitations to how I think right now. And so I often say, God, show me what I don't know. Teach me to think differently. Where am I limited? Because here's, here's the worrying part uh, for me. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what I don't know. And if I don't know what I don't know, that means there are things that I do need to know to enable me to keep on growing and having the impact that I want to have upon the earth. And so I pray this often. I say, God, teach me what I don't know right now. Now, here's the question. You could go away today and you could pray that prayer. The question is, is how do you think God is going to answer? Do you think that God is going to get his almighty finger And in the clouds in the sky, he is going to start to paint all the things that you don't understand. And one day you're going to look up and you're going to go, oh, there it is. There's the answer. It's written in the sky. So far, I have found that is not to be the case. Uh, It would be great, wouldn't it? I'll go walking the dog one day and there's the thing I need to know. Hasn't happened so far. Uh, Secondly, uh, is is God going to just, you know, audibly speak into my life and say, Mark, this is what you don't know. Well, again, so far that has not happened many times in my life. But here's how I've discovered that God stretches my thinking, grows the way I think. I've discovered that most of the time he does it through the people that I am in partnership with. I'm in partnership with Barry and I and a group of other pastors. Every week for about one hour, we have a meeting together. Sometimes we're all together in the room and sometimes we're not. And, and, and here's the great thing about that meeting. We love one another and we cheer one another on. But man, we're not shy in challenging one another. We're not, we're not shy in saying, come on, you could do a little better there. Or have you thought about this? Or why don't you look at it in a different way? I wonder whether you're thinking, we don't maybe not say this, but I wonder whether your thinking is limited in this area. And, and, we, and listen, we do that to one another. And so God will use the people you're in partnership with to actually stretch the way you think and to believe for different things. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says this, Ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Isn't that a great verse? We have that written up in our house as a, as a little thing for us to pray through. But I've discovered that most of the time when God speaks to me, yes, He speaks to me through my devotions, but often He'll speak to me through the people that I have given permission to speak into my life. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. Here's the second thing if you're writing notes. Number two. Number two is partnerships enable us to get breakthrough. Or I like to put it like this, partnerships enable us to get unstuck when we've become stuck. 
Partnerships enable us to get unstuck when we've got stuck. I don't know about you, but I hate getting stuck in life. There are many things that I can handle. There are things that I can deal with. But one of the things I hate above everything else is getting stuck. When I do not know how to move forward. When, when I, it's like I've come grinding to a halt. You know, in this story, in a way, Peter is stuck. He's been fishing all night. He has caught nothing. Presumably he thinks, well, today there's no money. If there's no money, there's no food. If there's no food, there's no, uh, you know, he's not feeding anybody. There's no provision. And in a way, Peter is stuck. And then Jesus comes along and Jesus helps Peter get unstuck from when he's been stuck. Come on, let me ask you this morning, anybody ever got stuck in life? Give me a wave. Come on, got stuck. It's like maybe your finances, you're stuck. Maybe you're caught in a circle of debt and you don't know how to move forward. Doesn't matter how much you pay off, you never seem to get clear of the debt that kind of follows you everywhere you go and you're stuck. Maybe this morning, you know, it's like you're stuck in your career. And it's like you don't know how to move forward. It's like there's a limitation. And you look at your future and all you can see is closed doors and you don't know how to move forward. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in a relationship and the truth is that relationship is not going as well as it could do, but you don't know what to do to move forward anymore and you're stuck. Listen, I know what it's like to be stuck and I think being stuck is one of the most horrible places in the earth to live. When you're stuck, your vision starts to be reduced because what starts to happen is disappointment and discouragement start to settle in. Once upon a time, you had a vision and you had a dream, something you were... There we go. Once upon a time, you had a dream and you had a vision and you had something you were going after, but for some reason, you've got stuck and now you can't seem to pursue the thing that was once in your heart. You know, some of you may know this story. You may have heard me tell it before. But there was a time in my life, probably about six years ago, five or six years ago, where Monica and I, my wife and I, in, in, in our ministry journey in leading the church, we got stuck. And it was like it didn't matter how hard we worked. It didn't matter how much we prayed. It didn't matter how much vision we had. It didn't matter how good my preaching was or how bad my preaching was. It was like and there was nothing we could do that could get us moving from where we were. We were leading a church in the center of London, and it was like God had given us a vision for our future. But, but man, the situation we were in looked nothing like what God had spoken to us about. And uh, actually, that's where you need good friends, people like Barry and Sarah, who have encouraged us on many occasions. And, but I remember getting to a point where we were stuck. I remember going on holiday, and uh, we were, I, don't, I think we were in Spain or somewhere like that, and I remember putting the kids to bed. And I remember at, at night, Monica and I were just sat out, and, and we were talking. And, you know, for those of you who are married, you know what it's like. There's kind of talk, talk, and then there's like talk, talk. <laughs> There's like, there's, you know, you're just talking and then there's like, oh, what? no, we're talking. <laughs> and uh, we were really talking and, and uh, I just remember Monica saying these words to me, which was a complete shock. I remember Monica saying to me, you've got to understand, we had been doing this for a long time and uh, probably close to 12 years. 
we had been at leading a church and we had got stuck and we had four young kids and every Sunday Monica would bring those four kids on public transport into the, into the city of London and, and then she would bring them back home again probably an hour each way and I remember her just getting to the point where she just said, you know what, she looked at me and she said, Mark, I don't want to do this anymore. And she wasn't in rebellion and it wasn't that she didn't love Jesus anymore. She had simply gotten to a point where she said, something needs to change and I don't want to do this anymore. And I remember being absolutely shocked. Not so much that she would feel that way, but that she would have the courage and the boldness to say, for me, I'm done. And I remember going home and, and, and speaking to Pastor Bruce and Pastor Peter, and they were incredibly gracious. They said, Mark, she is released. Let her go and worship at the, t- at the time, Pastor Peter Prothero's church. Let her worship there in the morning, and you keep leading the church at night. We had a night church and, uh, or an evening service. And, and, uh, and so for six months, uh, we worshiped together as a family uh, in Surrey, but I continued to lead the church in the center of London. And then about six months into that journey, my revelation caught up with Monica's revelation. <laughs> and, uh, and I realized I was done too. <laughs> and I tell you that story because what happened was, is, was Monica's courage and her boldness to speak out was actually the thing that started to get me unstuck when I had become stuck. I didn't know how to get unstuck. I thought if I kept on doing the same thing, kept on battling hard, kept on going, kept on trying, kept on doing. Listen, we believe in that, don't we? We believe in perseverance. We believe in breaking through. But I didn't realize I had got to a point where I wasn't going anywhere. And I'm so grateful for my wife, who was the one who said, you know what? In, in a, in a, she didn't use these words, but in one sense, what she was saying was, hey, you're stuck, but I'm going to get us unstuck. And today, as Barry said, next week we get prayed in and as the senior leaders of Equippers and, 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 I, and we celebrate that. But I've got to give honor to my wife, who was the one who actually got us moving again. Listen, I just want to say to you this morning, am I swapping? There you go. <laughs> I want to say to you this morning, if you're here and you're stuck, the chances are you're not going to be able to get yourself moving again. Come on, I want to speak to someone this morning. Maybe you're here and there is a circumstance in your life and you have tried and you've tried and it's not that you've been unfaithful and it's not that you haven't persevered. It's simply that we're not meant to do life alone. And there are people that God has prepared for you to help partner with you to get you moving once again. Come on, this morning, I pray that some of you are going to take a step to getting unstuck. You're going to take a step. Maybe you need help in your finances, help in your relationship, help in your journey with God, help in buying a house, help in whatever it is. Can I just say today, don't be so proud that you won't stick up your hand and say, would you help me? Come on, I want to say in the body of Christ, we need one another. We need one another. You need the people sat around you this morning to help you keep moving. I could give you many, many, many examples of people in my life who have come in and at the right time, they have helped me get moving when I got stuck. Amen. Here's the third thing uh, about partnership this morning. Number three, uh, partnerships enlarge our vision. Partnerships 
enlarge our vision. I like what happens in this story. Peter has been fishing all night and as you know, he's, he's now mending or he's washing his net. And Jesus comes along and here's what Jesus says. Jesus doesn't tell Peter to go and do what he's just done. This is what he says. He says, Peter, I want you to this time to go fish in the deep when you've been fishing in the shallow. This time I want you to uh, put your nets on the other side of the boat. This time, Peter, I, I want you to fish in the day when you've been fishing at night. But here's what's really interesting in the Bible. The Bible says that Jesus says, go and cast your nets. Peter has been fishing with a net. And Jesus says, go put your nets. Why? Because Jesus has got a bigger vision than Peter had by himself. In fact, Jesus knows that the catch is going to be so big this time that, that his nets are not even going to be big enough to hold it, that he's going to need the partnership, read it in the Scriptures, he's going to need the partnership of his friends to come and help him bring in the catch. I've discovered this, that in life, typically speaking, isolated, in our own right, our vision is small. Our vision is small. And the problem is, if you are not in partnership, is you think your vision is big. You only know your vision is, is small when you draw alongside someone who's got a bigger vision. You, you think your giving is big until you come into partnership with someone whose giving really is big and you realize my giving is really small. You, you think your servanthood is big until you come into partnership with someone who serves on a whole nother level to you. And then you start to realize, oh, wow, what I thought was big is actually small. We need partners in our lives to expand how we see things, to expand our vision. Our vision is so small most of the time compared to what Jesus is wanting to do. Here's what D.L. Moody, a great evangelist, said. And uh, he said this, if God is your partner, make your plans big. I'll say that again. If God is your partner, make your plans big. How do you make your plans big? You do it when you come into partnership with someone who can stretch the way you think. But a month ago, I was on the phone to Pastor Sam Monk, who leads Equipus Church in Auckland. And I wonder if the keyboard player could come, please. And, and he had been um, in, I think he was in uh, Malaysia and he had been ministering at a church over the weekend. And uh, then he was doing a leadership kind of retreat for a couple of days. And I said to Sam, you know, how did it go? And he said it was really good. And then I just said to him, oh, kind of, you know, what, what kind of church is it? Is it a small church? Is it a big church? Is it a medium church? And uh, I liked his response because his response, his response really provoked me. He said this, oh, not that big. About a thousand people. Not that big. About a thousand people. And I, and I liked it because I felt provoked to realize what I thought was big in someone else's economy is not that big. See, partnerships will actually cause you to think bigger than you have ever thought before. Amen. So listen, let me, let me share something with you in closing. Uh, in Equipus Church, we, we, we say this. We say, if, if you want to be in partnership with us, 
there are three things that we ask you to do. And uh, you, you might say, well, I'm not sure about these three, three things. And, and that's okay. But this is what we ask people to do. We say, would you do three things? Number one, would you pray into our vision? Would you pray with us? We, we want people to pray. Monica and I are pretty excited about taking on the leadership of the church. But the number one request we have of people is, would you pray? That's our number one request. Would you pray for us? Would you pray for our family? Second thing we ask people to do at Equipus, we say, if, if, if this is home and, and, and you say, I want to be in partnership with this church, is would you sow into our vision? In other words, would you, would you finance, financially commit here? Would, would you say, yeah, I want to be part of what God is doing here? The third thing we say is this, we say is, would you serve into our vision? Would, would, you, would you be someone that just doesn't turn up and go home and not really do anything, but would you actually get your hands dirty? Would you invest into it? And, and so then we have this little kind of way of explaining it that I think is it's kind of humorous, but it's so true. We like to talk about the difference between being a guest and the difference between being a family member. Now, if, if you're a guest and I invite you to my home for dinner, you don't need to do a thing. We will buy the food. We'll go to the supermarket. We'll prepare the food. We'll clean the house. We'll invite you in. At the end of the day, you, you get to go home. You don't have to do the washing up. You don't have to hoover the floor. You don't have to put the dishes in the dishwasher. We got it covered. You're our guest and we absolutely love having guests. Maybe you're a guest here this morning. You are so welcome. Be our guest. Enjoy being in Equipus Church. But then there might come a time when you say, well, I don't want to be a guest any longer. I actually want to be part of the family. And when you're part of the family, how many of you know family life works different than when you're a guest? If you're part of the family and you're coming to house for dinner, it means you might have to go to the supermarket and buy the food. You might be the one that has to do the cooking, maybe on Christmas Day. If you don't do the cooking, you're definitely the one that has to do the washing up. Can I get an amen? That's, that's just the rules of family life. <laughs> After the dishes are put away, someone's got to hoover. Someone's got to wipe the tables down. And here's what I've discovered in church life. I've been doing this long enough. I've discovered that there are a whole bunch of people who think that they're family, but they're really a guest. A whole bunch of people who would say, I'm family. I'm family. I, this is my home. I'm family. I'm in partnership with this church. But the truth is, you're really just a guest. Why? Because some of us turn up on a Sunday and we enjoy the meal and we enjoy the environment and we enjoy what people have worked hard to put together. And then in about 20 minutes time, you'll have a nice cup of coffee. You walk out the door and we'll see you again in seven days time. And in a sense, we're okay with that. You can be a guest for as long as you want to be a guest. But this morning, you've just got to realize, are you a guest or are you family? Because if you're a guest, you're not in partnership. If you're a guest, you're just coming to check out what's going on. But if you're family, come on somebody. If you're family, it means you get involved in what is happening. You sow your life into this place financially, in our prayers, with our time and with our energy. And the reason we want you to be family is because when you're in partnership, together we can have a far greater impact then we are operating by ourselves. Come on, how about we give God a big shout of praise this morning? 
Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? The rest of the band could come. Just on behalf of Pastor Barry and Sarah this morning, I want to extend an invitation to you to be family. I'm going to say that again because that should get a little, that should get a little cheer this morning. Come on, I want to extend an invitation to you, not just to be a guest, not just to be a visitor, not just to be someone who comes from time to time. I want to extend the invitation to you to be part of our family. Amen. Because when we're family, who knows what we can do together. Amen. How about closing your eyes, just lifting your hands together for a moment. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning that, Lord, we were not born to work in isolation. Father, if we're going to have an impact upon this earth, it isn't going to happen when we just simply do our own thing. But God, the greatest impact we can have upon the earth, the greatest impact that we can have in Colchester, the greatest impact that we can have in Essex and beyond is going to happen when we join together when we bring our giftings and our abilities, when we bring the things that you have blessed us with and we submit them to one another and we say, hey, here's what I've got. Here's what I can offer. I may not have this, but I do have this. I may not have a lot of that, but I am good at this. And this morning, Father, we want to submit our hearts, our lives to you in just a fresh new way this morning. Lord, we want our impact to go through the roof. Heavenly Father, this morning, I, I pray, Father, for anyone who has found themselves in a place where they have got stuck. They're stuck. In fact, just for a moment with every eye closed, just across the room, if that's you this morning and you say, Mark,